Hey everyone, it's Tim Nowak here again with another episode of EMS Insight. Uh, with this episode, I wanted to take a look at a topic that uh, is kind of a, an interesting one, uh, oftentimes overlooked, which is writing promotional or even entrance exams. Uh, there are a number of options, I think, on the market for this, some through professional companies uh, or even just doing it in-house. And I think there's some pluses and minuses and even some pitfalls that we'll discuss uh, based off of each of these components. Uh, this topic comes to mind because I'm actually in the process of finishing up in a, a promotional exam for uh, a fire-based EMS agency uh, that I, I subcontract right for another company. And uh, it reminds me of some of the exams I've taken throughout my career and even some that I'm uh, involved in with other projects and, and you know, assessing the validity of them, how they're written, the professional appeal of them, I think can, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's interesting seeing some, uh, and, and I'm probably very biased in this right now, but it's interesting seeing some that are written very well and others that I think are a little bit subpar uh, for a number of different reasons. So first let's talk about uh, something that's in-house, for example. Doing an in-house exam certainly is going to cost less money than it would to do something external. Uh, one of the hardest things, I think, with internally doing an exam is maintaining the continuity of the exam. Maintaining that continuity through uh, allowing only certain people to see it, to view it, to see the results, uh, to write the exam, hold, you know, who's going to be the, the keeper of the test, uh, which hands are it, going to, are it going to touch in between that whole process, who's going to deliver it. So I think there's a lot of risk with doing something like that. Um, and even with some of the amateur-ish or internal exams, they, they tend to be a little bit more biased toward the agency. And that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes that's entirely the focus of the exam. But I think it's very easy for someone internally to focus on some of the nuances rather than the things that are formally written or in print. And I think if you're going to do an exam internally, it's very important to keep keep to a script, if that's the right way to say it. Keep to a script in the sense that you you establish that you're going to focus on protocols specifically. So either you keep the wording verbatim or very similar, uh, or if you're going to focus on uh, SOGs, SOPs, procedures, policies, whatever you call them, making sure that they are all cited or at least citable directly within your uh, your exam. And the less that you can uh, uh, provide opportunities for multiple answers to be present, I think that's better off. One area that's nice with having a professional or an outside entity write an exam is that they are basically an unbiased perspective. They don't necessarily have an influence or an investment within your agency, uh, nor with any particular person to pass or succeed or do any better on the exam. And, and so allowing that perspective to be involved is nice because it, it helps to validate the exam a little bit more. Uh, one thing you'll see with professional exam writers is, is strict adherence to validating the sources and citing specific sources. So if you provide, for example, uh, I've, I've written some where a certain textbook was utilized, and, and so part of that process then is making sure that what you as the exam writer write for a question, that all of the questions or all the answers uh, have viable distractors, you know, having something that's blatantly off the course uh, is kind of a red flag for a poor question, but having viable distractors, and then also making sure that each one of those 
questions really only has one answer. And, that, and that's a big part of making sure that you're aware of that source so that it doesn't contradict itself anywhere else later on. Um, or that the candidate can't argue the exam. And I think that's the, the stone-cold, uh, the ironclad uh, or ideal of writing an exam is to make sure that the candidate in the end can't dispute it because there is only one obvious, defined, written, validated answer. So that's a big part, I think, of writing the exams. And I think you see more of that with professional exam writers. By all means, I think some agencies have good writers within them, uh, but those are at least some of the, the key things that you're going to notice with hiring a contracted agency, at least is that unbiased approach. Uh, some of the other pitfalls to writing the exam and some of the things that you might want to consider avoiding would be like true-false uh, answers. You know, a flip of a coin, eh, it's not the best option. While the multiple choice or multiple guess uh, answers are seen by some as not ideal, you know, really it's the best way, uh, I think, to rule in, rule out candidates that know the material, offer them an opportunity to think through the question and think through the answers uh, to come to the best conclusion, and then also to validate or to, you know, provide viable distractors within each question. Some other pitfalls that you might see or note um, would be before you offer the exam, whether it's for new candidates for an entrance exam or if it's for a promotional exam, I think it's important to offer them either a study guide to show them examples of what the questions would be or to at least, at the very least, uh, notate which sources are going to be involved. It is incredibly unfair to give someone a promotional exam, for example, without them knowing the material that they're going to be tested on. If that means it's SOGs, SOPs, um, map books, protocols, or specific texts, it is entirely inappropriate and unfair. You're setting them up for failure if they are not aware of the direct sources that are going to be cited uh, so that they can study for the exam itself. So those are, I think, important components of that. One example that I'll use of that is I, I personally took an entrance exam for an EMS agency and it was a rather lengthy exam, which was another kind of a pain in the butt, but it was a rather lengthy exam that focused on their individual protocols. Now, prior to that, I had done as much research as I could on the agency. Their website was eh, decent, but didn't have anything at all listing protocols on it. Uh, so I couldn't find them. The protocols weren't provided beforehand to study off of, nor was I aware that they were going to be, you know, there was going to be questions about their protocols. Uh, even with that, you know, it's one thing if you require, for example, a provider to have ACLS and maybe PALS or a certain merit badge certification, then I think those questions are fair game. However, when you start citing sources that are not required either for that job or for state license or certification, that's unfair as well. So with this exam that I took, uh, it was like 135 or 127 questions. It was a really weird number. But I, I was able to, in the end, um, it, it was unique. I, I, I passed the exam, um, but then they, they knew kind of my background, and, and they asked for some feedback. And, and so I provided the feedback, and I uh, ultimately turned down the job. But I provided the feedback and really just tore apart the exam, uh, citing so many differences between the questions, 
asking questions that were not common knowledge necessarily um, or were things that you would only know if you worked there or if you had access to the protocols or things that contradicted what were basic requirements like ACLS, for example. So, you know, having an exam like that, especially for someone who's counting on passing for a job, that can be incredibly fair and, quite honestly, might even open up some liability issues on your part if you're offering an unfair exam. So, you know, different things like that I think you need to be aware of when you write exams. And having a professional outside person do that, uh, I think, helps to eliminate or at least alleviate a lot of those issues and, again, keeps it more... uh, keeps the continuity intact of the exam so that there aren't issues of uh, leaking information. Uh, but on top of that, it just it makes for a solid professional appearance exam rather than something that quite often, uh, many instances, looks unprepared or, or even a little bit unprofessional. And like I said, some, some organizations have great exam writers and follow all these different rules and do a wonderful job and produce a wonderful product. So I don't discount that at all. But if you don't have that opportunity or that ability within your agency, I think that a viable solution, it might cost you a little bit, but a viable solution would be to hire a professional. So that is my input on promotional and entrance exams. Uh, Make your people aware of what's going on, provide the information as best you can, prepare them for success, not for failure. And the, you know, the stronger candidate, the more prepared candidate, I think in the end will shine. You know, it'll show. It'll be apparent. So do what you can to promote success rather than failure. So once again, I'm Tim Nowak here with Emergency Medical Solutions and presenting EMS Insight. Uh, if you want info more, more information on uh, uh, writing promotional exams or writing uh, written exams in general, I'll be talking about it or writing about it in uh, the upcoming issue of the EMS Director, which will be published uh, sometime toward the end of April or May coming up. So $25 for a year-long subscription of four printed issues. Uh, You can find information on that at emsdirector.com, or you can email me at insight at emergencymedicalsolutionsllc.com with any questions that you have. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week. Stay safe.